morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Huntsville Christian Church. This morning, we're in this series, that we, a month-long series that we're calling God's Game Plan. And this week, we're going to be asking a question. And the question is this, what is keeping you from being all in? What is keeping you from being all in? If you're going to be on God's team, if you're going to follow His game plan, if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Christ and, and, and be a part of His church, um, we're all called to be all in. And today, I'm excited to jump into God's Word. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 10. If you want to start flipping there, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be starting in verse 17. And while you're doing that, um, I have a, a question for you. All right, And I want you to be completely honest. And the question is this. When it comes to our spiritual lives, do you ever feel like, you know, you come to church, you read your Bible, um, you even show up to, to serve sometimes. Um, sometimes you feel like you, you try to pray and, and, and you look at all those things and, and you feel like, man, there are so many distractions. Do you ever feel like maybe you're running out of steam? Well, this morning, we're going to get into a story where Jesus comes across someone who is really trying, but something is truly blocking him from being all in. You know, in sports, we're always looking for those inspirational stories, right? Stories of great players and great teams overcoming the odds and, and winning championships. Uh, but today, I want to do something completely different. I want to show you a video that is a complete fail. Actually, this video is absolutely, completely uninspiring. Can you go ahead and show the video? Travis Wilson to pass on third down and five. A lot of time looking down the field. He's got a man open. Down the field, it's caught at the 35, at the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. It's a touchdown. Kalen Clay. Hey, why not just do that? I think they got some balance in the passing game. The play is still alive. Oregon's running the play back. Wait a minute. They said he fumbled it going across the goal line? Oregon's running into the end zone, and they're saying it's a touchdown back the other oh way. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? They said that tra they said that Kalen Clay let go of the ball before he crossed the plane. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And Oregon runs it back for a touchdown. What? We've got to see this on the replay. And instead of this game being 14-0 Utah, it's going to end up being 7-7. I've come to inspire all of you today. <laughs> My favorite part is like they're like jumping on each other and, and cheering. Man, that is, oh, that was a fail. <laughs> Today's story, though, is all about a guy who finds himself def deflated, kind of like Kalen Clay from this video. After you know, after he scored a touchdown, and this is the story we see about the guy in, in Mark chapter ten. Now, before we get all in into all of this, you need to know that Jesus is teaching in in Judea. He's in this region teaching, and and he's he's hanging out, and all of a sudden, these kids come running up to Jesus. And the disciples are trying to stop these kids, 
right? And, and so all these kids come running up, and the disciples are like, no, no, you can't talk to Jesus. And it's revealing about the character of Jesus right here, that he wants to see them. But it's more revealing about the nature of who Jesus was, because the kids were, were okay seeing him, because kids have this kind of built-in barometer um, when it comes to adults. Kids know the people that love them. Kids know um, the people that have excitement built up around them. And that really reveals something about Jesus, I believe. And so Jesus is enjoying his time with these, with, with these children, but in the back of his mind, he knows something is waiting for him. It's Mark, starting in Mark chapter, seven, verse seven, or Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Has Jesus started on his way? And I'm going to stop right there. As Jesus started on his way, you have to understand, Jesus is about to head out after he's, he's talking to the disciples. And he's on his way to J- Jerusalem. And uh, that's where he's knowing Jerusalem is waiting for him. And this is, is very, extremely significant because every step closer to Jerusalem is a step closer to the cross. And Jesus has this on the back of his mind. He knows this as he's speaking to the disciples and to these children. He doesn't really want to go, but he knows he has to go. Which brings us to the first point. People on God's team people who who follow his playbook, they answer the call to go and serve. But before he can go, something interesting happens. Jesus is hanging out with all these people. Something very interesting happens. A young man comes running up to Jesus. And according to the Bible, he's a very wealthy guy, and he's also a ruler. He's a man with great reputation, and he comes running up to Jesus. And if you think about this, this would have been like a really strange scene playing out here, right? Because if you're a man of importance, you don't go running up to people, right? People come running up to you. This man puts his reputation on the line because he's running up to Jesus. And then he kneels before him. But at this point, the man doesn't care because he knows he's in front of Jesus. He knows who he's in front of. But this man, he needs to know something. Verse 17 continues, <coughs> excuse me, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This rich young ruler, he's not a, a political ruler. He's actually, actually a religious ruler. He knows the law. He's in church every single day, every day, all day. And he knows deep down inside something is wrong and he needs answers. And the rich young ruler, he looks at Jesus and sees love and righteousness. He sees life that he doesn't have and he cries out in desperation, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this this is Jesus' response. It's in uh, Mark 10, 18. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And this is sort of a, a troubling response. Is, is, he, is he saying, don't call me this, only call God that? And that's confusing, right? Because, because we believe in the Trinity. We, we believe in the divinity of Jesus. And, and so we want to know what's going on here. And it's important to note that Jesus, doesn't, Jesus does not say, don't call me that. He says, why? He says, why? Jesus is challenging this guy to confront in his mind, who it is, in his mind, who exactly he, he really thinks who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, I'm divine. 
I want you to recognize that as you speak to me, because your understanding of who I am is, is going to vastly dictate the rest of this conversation and the rest of your life. And that's, and that's a message to the people on God's team too, I believe. A message to, to you and me. Who do you think I am as you go about your life and as you pray to me? Who do you think I really am? Do you understand how good I really am? Jesus probably pauses here for a moment to answer this guy's question directly, but he, he doesn't do it in a normal way, right? Where it's Jesus here, right? He does it unexpectedly. He does it differently. Mark 10, 19. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Jesus lists some but not all of the Ten Commandments. This is kind of strange because this, this guy is asking about eternal life, right? And Jesus is, has on his mind, remember, he's got on his mind the cross. He knows what's before him. The only way toward salvation is the cross, right? Why, why doesn't Jesus point him toward that way? What's, what's he about to do? Why does he point him back toward the commandments? Author, pastor, and scholar N.T. Wright says this, that people of that time thought differently than you and I do today. Today, when it, when it comes to religion, you and I, we're, we're kind of wrapped up in, in, in what happens after this life and what happens in this life as long as we can punch our ticket in, right? That's all we care about is making sure what do we need to do to get there. But that's not the way they lived back then. They lived much differently. They, they knew that life was precious, and that God gave us one life here and now to live and to live righteously and to live life well. An eternal kind of life is here and now. That's why Jesus says, may it be done as it earth, on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus says things like, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to bring life to it, to show you and me that it's the way to live. It's the way to walk in freedom. I love what Psalm 119.45 says. I will walk with you. I will walk about in freedom. For I have sought out your precepts. Jesus is saying, if you want to live life well, if you want to live an eternal kind of life, now God has set all these precepts, these commands for you right now. Live within the confines of the Bible and the way God has taught. Live the way that God has taught you to live and you will live a good, eternal kind of life right now. To be clear, the only way you can stand before God and to be righteous and pure is through Jesus and by following him. Mark chapter 10, 20 says, Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. We can't get into this guy's mind, but you, you've got to imagine what he's thinking right here. That he's been keeping all these things yet still has not attained eternal life. Jesus knows there's something in the way of this guy, right? And we read it in Mark 20, 10, 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lacked, he said. Before we get all into, in, into all that, into the one thing, I want to stop on two words here. Loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Can you imagine what that look looked like? Can you imagine that look? 
Jesus is letting this guy know, I'm about to confront you with something. I'm about to raise an issue in your life that's going to be really hard. But I want to let you know, first and foremost, this is underwritten in a deep, deep love. And this, this actually brings us to our next point. People who are on God's team, they love like Jesus did. Jesus knows us to the core, the depths of our souls. He knows us. He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows the sin. He knows the turmoil in our lives. He knows the things we put first before him. There's no sense in hiding it. He knows it in this guy's life, and he knows it in our lives. Jesus knows all about our stuff. And if you've been hiding something, and you've been pushing it deep down inside, you've got to get it out. Confess it to God because he knows it already. And then Jesus drops a bomb on this guy. Verse 21, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. In other words, this guy broke the first commandment not to have any gods before, before me, right? You see, followers of Jesus, people on God's team, they put God first in all situations, always. This guy had an idol in his life. His response after running to Jesus, after seeing that, that look of love in his eyes, verse 22, <coughs> at this, the one, at this, the, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, I believe, right here. The guy really wanted to know. He wanted to follow Jesus. He really wanted eternal life but he couldn't walk away from his stuff and he actually ends up walking away from Jesus. In scripture, this is the only person who fell at the feet of Jesus and walked away because he was not willing to give up this one thing in his life. He was not expecting that, that high demand that Jesus asked of him. I believe we all have that one thing in our life that's distracting us at least one thing that keeps us from, from loving Jesus more and more. One thing holding us back. One thing from, for, for, from us truly being all in for living for him. We live in a fallen world and there's all kinds of distractions and sins, right? We know this. You see, people on God's team believe that part of his game plan is to put him first and get rid of all the distractions around us. We need to make him number one in our lives. And this morning, I, I want to know, what do you need to get rid of in your life? What's, what's distracting you? What's distracting you? What's stopping you from being all in? You, you actually may be sitting here today, and you know exactly what's, what's preventing you from being all in. You, you may have been struggling it. You may have been be struggling with this for years and years. Maybe it's an addiction. There are some things that are easy to grab hold of in this world, but that are hard to let go of. Maybe it's your reputation. You're too concerned about what other people think of you. Maybe it's your past. I appreciate Scott's message this morning. Maybe it's your past. Something happened to you, and you just can't let go of it. And so you, and so you think about that, and you think about that constantly. Maybe 
Maybe that your past has become an idol for you and you can't think about anything else. Anything can become an idol, right, in your life. If you hold on to it, if you put it before God, anything can, can become an idol. Jesus is calling you to get rid of this from your life. He's calling the rich young ruler to get rid of this idol in his life. If you think Jesus is being harsh on this guy, you're absolutely right. He is. He's being harsh. Because this is important to Jesus. It's rooted in love, though. It, it is a relationship, Jesus. It is a relationship Jesus came to earth to foster and grow. And it could be you or me easily standing in this man's shoes. Jesus isn't expecting this guy to get all over all his issues right there and then. Right? But, but he's saying, go and do something drastic. Something different needs to happen in your life. Do something that shows me you're serious about our relationship. You know, um, me and my wife, we have, we have two cats. And uh, when we got our second cat, her name is Fenway, by the way. <laughs> she, uh, she was given to us by one of Lindsay's co-workers when we, when we lived in Florida. And this cat uh, apparently had lived outside for some time. And so we said, yeah, we'll get another cat. We had another cat at the time. And um, Lindsay said, yeah, our, our other cat needs a friend. So we got this cat, Fenway. Um, well, when we got this cat covered in fleas, I mean, and uh, here's the thing about fleas. I am uh, deathly allergic to them. Um, and so, like, I could walk into a house and I could feel fleas on my shins. I can feel them all over me. I can feel them biting me. And when they bite me, I break out into welts and I itch like crazy. And um, <coughs> I knew right away this cat had fleas. I knew it. Um, and so we brought this cat into our house and fleas got into our house. And I could feel walking into our house. I'm like, Lindsay, there are fleas in the carpet. I can feel them biting me. And, but what do we do? We did everything we could to get rid of those fleas. We got our cat treated. We went to the vet. We got our house like the exterminator came. I got rid of all these fleas. It was crazy. But we did whatever it took to get rid of those fleas, right? If you've got something in your life that's eating away at you, you've got to get it out. You've got to get rid of it. I'm telling you, if those fleas come back, we're going to do whatever it takes to get rid of the fleas. They won't come back ever because I'll get rid of the cat before that happens. <coughs> yeah. People, people who play on God's team, who follow his game plan, do something drastic to get rid of the junk in their lives, to get rid of the fleas. Jesus is calling you to action today. And as you take the steps required, you are not guaranteed that the sin, the struggle, the distraction is fully taken care of forever. In fact, it, it may come back. And that's how, how the, the Satan works, how the devil works. It may come back, and you may struggle with it. But that's where Jesus' invitation to this young, to this young man parallels his invitation to you and me. Did, did you catch it at the end of verse 21? Did you guys see that? then come follow me. Then come follow me. Maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years and you, do, and you do whatever it takes if something is in the way of your relationship with God. You do whatever it takes. You, you go to counseling if, you, if that needs to happen. You get your community around you. You get your CPR group around you, right? And you ask questions and you talk to an elder and you talk to the pastors. You do whatever it takes. 
Hebrews 4.12 puts it like this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you've got something in your life that's not right, if you read your Bible and let it come to life, God will speak to you, I promise you. But you've got to open your Bible. You've got to read it. In my quiet time, I, all, I often ask God, God, what's getting in my way? What's in my way, God? I, I don't want, because here's the thing. I don't want anything getting in the way of my relationship between me and God. Nothing. It's too important. I want to be all in. I want to be on his team. And, and, I'm, and to add to that, I don't want to be on the other team. Because I've been there. And it stinks. And it's, it's not this team. And I like this team much better. I promise you. I promise you. And once he does all that, and once he reveals it to you, he's going to ask you to do something else. He's going to ask you to do something bold. He's probably going to ask you to be a little courageous. He's going to, he's going to ask you to give up whatever it is that's keeping you from being all in. He's going, to, he's going to ask you to tell somebody probably, probably your accountability partner, maybe someone in your CPR group. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be tough. He might ask you to, to give up your need to be right all the time so that you can have a little peace in your life. He might ask you to give up Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, if you're on your phone 19 hours a day, your phone is probably getting in the way of your relationship with God. I'm just throwing that out there. Your phone has probably become an idol in your life. He might ask you to give up watching TV. I read this this week. The average person spends nine years of their life watching TV. Do you want to go before God in heaven? And he said, you spent nine years watching TV. That's nine years not serving God, not being on his team, distracted from him. Nine years. What's consuming you today? Here's the thing. I want you to take this serious. What's, what's become an idol in your life? Take this question serious. Maybe it's your job. Maybe, maybe you need to find a job that pays a little less because you spend so much time at that job. That job takes you away from your family. It takes you away from church. It takes you away from serving God. He's calling you to serve in his kingdom. And there are so many distractions around us. Maybe you need to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I don't know what it is in your life. But Jesus does, and if you wrestle with him long enough, he's going to reveal it to you. And then he's going to ask you to, to push it aside, to set it aside. It may blow your mind to, to come to the realization that you, have to, that you have an idol or idols in your life. And when you put those things aside to follow him, and your response is, I really do want to give that up. I'm telling you, God will do amazing things. We're talking about eternal things here. God, God wants all of us to be all in. He wants all of us to be on his team. He's not going to ask every single one of us to sell every one of our possessions and give them to the poor. That's, 
That's it's kind of like a universal command. The universal command is to put him first. For some of us, this is going to be hard work. And that's okay. Because being on God's team requires hard work and commitment. Only the best athletes make it to the pros, right? We all think our kids are best. I think my son's the best kid at basketball. He's probably not going to make it to the NBA. I'm okay with that. As long as he puts God first. We may even think, there's no way I can give that thing up. There's no way I can't give that up. That's impossible. Well, Jesus highlights the impossibility. Mark chapter 10, 23 and 24, Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? And that brings me to the next point. People on God's team are generous. This scripture has caused a lot of controversy with people that have a certain amount of money. Whatever that amount may be, I don't know. The scripture doesn't say. And it's, it's not about how much money you have, though. And this is important to understand. It's not about how much money you have, but it's the identity you have attached to that money. The question is, do you own your stuff or does your stuff own you? God owns it all, right? Are you generous? Are you seeking the kingdom of God first or are you just trying to accumulate stuff? If stuff accumulation is your goal, you're just like this guy that we're reading about. And it's going to be very difficult to stand before God rightly one day. In fact, it's going to be impossible. And Jesus says this, verse 25, it's easier for a camel <coughs> to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Modern day analogy, it would be easier for a politician to be honest. Verse 26, the disciples were even more amazed and he said to each other, who then can be saved? They were so amazed because in that time they really believed that the wealthiest were the most blessed, that God loved them because they were able to get stuff, that they had stuff. And Jesus says, nope, it doesn't work like that. Jesus wants the disciples to see how hopeless life can be without him. Sometimes we, we feel helpless, especially when we think about our addictions and our greed and our lust and our sin. When we think about the things we keep pushed down, when we think about the things that we keep in the dark and the things that we don't want to tell anyone about, right? When we think about that too long, we start to become hopeless. Sometimes we feel that storm has come and, and stolen all of our light and we wonder how can we ever be made whole again. And this morning I want to tell you something. That's when Christ does his best. That's when he's at his best. That's when he comes in and says this in verse 27, and I love this, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible with God. Amen? Amen? Jesus is showing us that we can stay in control of our distractions and bundle up all of our issues and try to get over all those mountains. It's impossible, right? With man, it's not going to happen. Because on our own, it is impossible. But with God, Jesus says all things are possible. Can you guys say that? All things are possible. All things are possible, right? When we surrender our distractions, 
when we share our issues, when we, look our, when we look at our broken relationships, our addictions, and we put those things in front of God, He's able to take those from us because nothing is impossible with Him. When you think of the, when you think of the things that, that are dark and, and, and deep inside of you and the things that hold you back from God, just remember this. You can't do it alone. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus would actually use this phrase a few chapters later when he had the whole weight of the world of his shoulders on him. Mark 14, 36 says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And what, and what does Jesus will? For the worst thing to ever happen in humanity, our Savior was killed and tortured and beaten in the darkest hour. And when we are at our darkest, that's when God does his best work. God answers and he says, yes, all things are possible. And he brings Jesus back to life. And today Jesus invites us into that same story that we read about. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and I. And when you tap into that, when you tap into that spirit, nothing can hold you back. Nothing. Jesus invites all of us to go deeper today. To go and love him more. It might be hard. It will be hard. But it's possible. And it's worth it. Being all in on God's team is worth it. For those of, of you who are all in, the story ends with hope. Hope for the eternal realm of life. Giving up things of this world. Walking away from, from distractions and addictions and surrendering your life for the sake of the cross. Every day will require you to lay your idols down before, before God and follow Him every day. This will require practice and commitment, just like being on a sports team. Whatever it is today that is holding you back from being all in, I invite you on God's behalf to lay it down. Walk away. Put your distractions on the bench and join, join, God, join God's team, fully devoted to follow Him. And this morning, if you're ready to, to lay everything down, to be on His team, to get rid of those distractions, the invitation's here this morning. Man, the, the, the baptismal's open. I would love to baptize you. That's where it all starts. That's where starting on God's team, it all starts there, being baptized into Christ and a new life with Him. Or maybe this, time, um, maybe this morning, you're looking to be on a new team. And uh, you're, uh, you want to be part of a, a church that, that loves God and loves Jesus and serves its community. And uh, if, if you want to be a part of our team, a part of Huntsville Christian Church, as we sing our song of invitation, I invite you to come forward. Or maybe this this week, um, I get it. Teams, team, God's teams have up and downs, right? Sometimes we have tough seasons. Maybe this week was a tough week for you, and you just need a little bit of prayer. Our, our Huntsville, Christian Chief, Huntsville Christian Church leadership team is here. We'd love to pray with you. Our elders are here. I'm here. John's here. And if that's you this morning, I invite you to come forward as we sing our song of invitation. Would you please stand with us? As you go to win and commit to grow this week, my prayer for all of us 
today is that we could all be like the man at the beginning of our story. The man who was running toward Jesus, who knelt before Him and prayed that we would ask tough questions before Jesus. But I would pray that all of our stories would end much differently than this man's. That we don't walk away. That we would submit to Him and follow Him for the rest of our lives. Have a great week.